Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Danny. Join me as we go deep into God's Word, as we discover the hidden gems and hidden treasures that God has made available to us all if we would have but ears to hear and eyes to see. As you come with me on this journey, let's explore God's Word and see what He desires to show and tell us in our day. This may be your first time or the next time, but I welcome you here. Let's dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number three. Excited to see, we're just moving right along. Wanted to share something today. It just came fresh to me a few hours ago, actually. Lord challenged me with this with this question that I want to bring to you and what I what I shed in insight in it is is just the surface of what I believe to be accessible to it so I pray that it that it marks you to send you on a journey of exploration as it has done so to me in just a short time and I was so excited about just discussing this, I, I couldn't really even put all my thoughts together. I just wanted to get right in it. So here we are. So I, as I was doing some chores today, I was listening to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through about 46. So we're going to just turn to that briefly here. But in this is a discussion that Jesus shares about sheep and goats. So if we, we're in Matthew 25, 31 through about 46. So verse 31 starts and says, this is Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will be he and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those who those at his right hand and remember that the sheep are at his right, come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, that was the goats, You that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. 
he goes on to that same that same series so remember the sheep are those of inheritance into the kingdom of god and the goats that he separates to his left these are those outside of the kingdom so in light of that god spoke to me a question he said what do you get when you breed a sheep with a goat now i've i've come to learn the voice of the lord and when he asks me a question it starts me down a trail of thought now i want to say up front i've actually never even considered this thought before i've never considered the idea of a a sheep and a goat creating an offspring now to kind of preface that I do have a bit of a framework to consider the possibility of it. Now, outside of the fact that I believe that the Spirit of God to have whispered this question to me, the the reason that I have framework is that we at one point had some ducks, and we had one particular duck that would chase a chicken or some chickens. Now, this chase was that of a breeding chase. It was it's quite a different it's quite a different chase compared to that one of perhaps say annoyance or frustration. This duck had the intentions of breeding a chicken. Now it never mounted the chicken as the rooster would not permit it. But, but you can tell that was his intention. Now I remember in that time thinking that that this duck of ours was functioning in dysfunction. It was out of the corrected order of things. And in this reality, I felt that there was this spiritual lesson in that moment. And so for a time and a season, I held that reality close into my heart. Now, that occurrence gave me a bit of scaffolding to receive this type of question. What do you get when you breed a sheep with a goat? So first thing I did after I considered the question was to look online, see if anything exists. Turns out there are reported cases where such a thing happens. Now we see some more, some, you know, more uh, news-related articles, I think maybe 2014 or so, of these hybrid animals the offspring of sheep and goat even a bit further back though there is a, a national institute of health nih published a paper in 1997 and they document this topic and and they go on to say that very often people actually will raise sheep and goats either with or near one another but as you read the article, you'll see that the interbreeding actually readily occurs. However, though, because of the nature of their incompatible genetics, and we're talking on a cellular level, it contributes to a high death rate of, of the embryo. Now, 
much to my surprise, quite a high rate of fertilization can occur. But significant embryonic loss occurs during, and this varies, but 40 to 60 days of gestation. So, as I begin to process this, and he sends me on these questions of exploration, I ponder on the question, what do you get when you breed a sheep with a goat? Now, keep this inside of the paradigm of what did Jesus say when he spoke? What were, what were some of the inherent realities inside of what he spoke regarding goats and sheep? Sheep being those in the kingdom of God and the goats being those outside the kingdom of God. Outside being defined as not part of the family of God. So as you... As you read on in this article, I believe it was in 1997, these scientists go through this study and they document breeding male and female sheep with male and female goats. And they try all these different crosses to see what can be successful. There's been documented reports of this even pre-1997. And so they're trying to understand, get to the bottom of the reality if there is one in this. So before I could really follow some of the language of the scientific paper, I had to, I had to familiarize myself with the language of the animal kingdom. Now there's, there's actually a reality inside of this on the significance of language and you'll find that as you as you associate with different streams or different we'll even say denominational differences even in outside of the religious perspective if you're a baker if you're a politician if you're a candle maker if you're an athlete, each association carries with it its own specific language. And that language communicates certain thoughts. And so we, we may or may not even have a framework to understand the language that's used. So, so understanding and familiarizing yourself with the language is important and there is a spiritual parallel reality in that. So as I begin to uncover some of this language, you know, you they use the word you, ram, lamb, buck, doe. Uh, these are things that I did not inherently know. Buck and doe, you know, reminiscent of deer, there's parallel language there for that. So I, I had a bit of understanding there, but you, ram, uh, lamb, I just called everything, either sheeps or sheep or lambs. However, a ewe is an adult female, and that's a sheep. A ram is the adult male sheep, and a lamb is actually a young sheep. Buck, as you could have guessed, is a male goat, and a doe is a female goat. 
So they take these particular species, male, female, genders, and they cross them. And they let them breed. And as I had stated before, per the article, interbreeding readily occurred in in vivo, natural, in life, in this natural product. They readily bred each other physical capabilities to allow them to do so was permissive so very successful in terms of natural breeding Um, and what they started to notice is when a female goat was bred or crossed with a male sheep they noticed high fertilization rates. So you have the egg and sperm. When sperm penetrates the egg and you have fertilization occurring, thus begins the process of development into an embryo, a living being. We won't go into the depths of that uh, outside of my expertise. However... Fertilization was actually pretty high rates in that scenario. So the cross between a female goat. Now, through this whole thing, keep in mind, goats, sheep. Goats, those not belonging to the kingdom of God. Sheep, those belonging to the kingdom of God. When a female goat was crossed or bred, with a male sheep, there was high fertilization rates. And not only that, but there was actually high pregnancy rates. So in terms of pregnancy, in terms of fertilization, it was a comparable rate to that of the natural crossing, goats with goats, sheep with sheep. Also of interest... And this is the flip of what I just showed you. When a female sheep, so before I told you female goat, now this is a female sheep and they're crossed with a male goat. Of interest, zero fertilization in this particular study occurred. So that would tell you that the male goat, remember goat, the male goat was unable, his seed was unable to produce the necessary product of its intended purpose. The male goat bred to a female sheep, the male goat's seed could not produce the intended consequence of its inten- of its purpose of its created purpose so it had an inability to fertilize they had 0% success rates in that however the previous example the male sheep breeding a female goat high rates of fertilization high rates of pregnancy 
Now, this is, these particular results are in vivo. So, so by the process of natural life. So we're talking natural breeding. They do, however, in that article, discuss their attempts at in vitro. So in vitro would be outside of natural, the natural laws or natural processes. In in vitro situations, they were able to to bring all combinations of crosses to be similar to that of the standard rates. So so man in his scientific endeavors, in his scientific ability, expertise, knowledge, man was able to create a outcome based on his knowledge, his insight. This is to me a a significant call out to humanity's ability and desire to manipulate into a certain end product. And and humanity, mankind, is quite good at doing this. Through their through their insight and understanding and revelation, they're able to produce something that naturally could not or should not, or most of the times not, able to be produced. So, in our previous example, we said a female goat bred by a male sheep had high fertilization and high pregnancy rates. Conversely, when a male goat bred a female sheep, zero fertilization. The, so the sperm of male goats were unable or could not produce the intended outcome or intended result or purpose. Now, this is just kind of a an interesting, as I migrated out of the article, finished reading it, read some other you know, online things, probably less reliable sources. It tells us that goats have 60 chromosomes. Sheep have 54 chromosomes. Now, in some of the more recent articles, we'll say articles, news articles, not scientific published documents necessarily, but news articles, there's claims that these offspring of a goat sheep parent produces a offspring what they call a jeep g e e p you know clever combination of the two words these particular animals contain 57 chromosomes so we said 60 chromosomes in goats 54 chromosomes in sheep a hybrid of the two contains 57 chromosomes. Now, I will say this. I do have a somewhat scientific background, and so I do value the scientific method and validity of uh, data and the integrity of results. I don't always keep take everything at face value as it relates to the scientific method because there are differences in the rigorousness and, well, just potentially bold-faced lies that can occur. So some of the stuff I take with a grain of salt. However, of these of these people who have claimed to have these these sheep goat hybrids, 
called Jeep. There has yet to be an uh, an opportunity to do some genetic testing to see if some of this bears out in truly a goat and sheep combination. But I think it does point to a very interesting spiritual reality. And the first, you know, as I as I think about some words that come to mind related to this, the first ones are compromise. Hybrids. A little of this and a little of that. And we can actually see this kind of biblical parallel in the case of Solomon, King Solomon. And we see it in 1 Kings chapter 11. And it starts in verse 1 through 13. I may not read it all, but I'm just, I am going to start this because it's a great parallel. It says, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite, the Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the Israelites, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for they will surely incline your heart to follow their gods. So this is a clear commandment. God said, do not take them to be your wives, for if you do, they will draw your heart away from me. He goes on to say that in verse, beginning in verse 3, it right previously to that, it says Solomon clung to these in love. Among his wives were 700 princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Just as God said, you marry these foreign women, these women who serve other gods, they will captivate your heart and draw you to them and their gods. Verse 4, when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon followed, it names some of these gods from different, these different religious cultures. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not completely follow the Lord as his father David had done. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives who offered incense and sacrificed to their gods. Verse 9, Then the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. So God was very explicit to Solomon and to Israel as a whole and said, do not take foreign wives as your wives because they will turn your heart. And this is exactly what happened in the case of Solomon. And and it's unfortunate because Solomon commanded great position, great, great influence. He was the leader of Israel Not only that, but his father before him, David, a man after God's own heart. Solomon had big shoes to fill. David, we know as a lover of God, and David did what pleased the Lord, and he followed after him. And even in David's old age, we find that there's, there's a level of faithfulness in David. But here, Solomon, you know, many cases and many times in many stories that we read throughout the Bible... 
uh, an individual starting strong, ending poorly, or starting poorly and ending strong. I just pray that we in our generations and those coming even after us and have come before us, I pray that we start strong and that we finish strong, that we run the race that's set before us, pressing on to the prize, just like Paul spoke of, that we may finish and hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So God warned Solomon, do not do this. He warned Israel, do not take these wives because they will turn your heart. Now, I'm immediately in that moment taken back to this study when God asked the question, what do you get when you breed a sheep with a goat? As we saw in that published paper, a female goat getting bred by a male sheep. This is exactly the case of Solomon. He was a male sheep, a, a, a male in the kingdom of God. And he bred a female goat, those a female outside of the kingdom of God. And so I believe this to be a perfect example of that scenario. Now, what does it tell us in the result of that? High, there was a high fertilization rate and high pregnancy rates. That type of encounter, that hybrid encounter, specifically a king, a male in the kingdom of God and a female outside of the kingdom of God, there is a lot of impact that can happen in that encounter. High fertilization, high pregnancy rates. Now, I do want to, to add, in that, in that study, there was significant loss, and I don't recall that there was actually ever any successful birth. However, like we said, some are claiming to have just naturally birthed these, but that is a controversial question is, can they be carried full term, and can they be successfully birthed? Let's just say for the benefit of the doubt that maybe some can be born naturally and they produce this hybrid animal. But nonetheless, as the study showed, high fertilization and high pregnancy. Now, I believe there's another an, another biblical example of this of this male sheep female goat reality now it's not it's not this one is not necessarily specific to a universal male of the kingdom female outside of the kingdom it's more of a global sense well let's just let me just we'll just say it and in this example i believe is is the Jezebel that's spoken of in revelation 2 around verse 20. So let's let's just go to that. Revelation 2, and we'll start in verse 18. This is actually Jesus speaking to John, the disciple, and he is giving him a message to give to the seven churches. And in this particular message, it is to the church of Thyatira. Thyatira. In verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, service, and patient endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first. Speak. This speaks of a 
of an of an evolution of a, of a of a growth, a moving forward. The works, your your last works, your most recent works are greater, in magnitude, in significance, in you know whatever are greater than the first. But he says in verse twenty, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I think that is significant. And I want to say that Jezebel cannot just specifically define or relate to to the female gender. Although many times it 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 can be specific to female. I don't believe that a Jezebel influence has to be specifically only occurring in female. I believe that men can demonstrate this type of Jezebel spirit. It's this manipulative, controlling, influencing personality that, that, that wants to intimidate, that wants to manipulate. These are qualities, characteristics of evil. And so he says to them, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. This is exactly the behavior that we see uh, demonstrated in Solomon. He has these, these wives who have influenced him in a sexual way and there is a marriage, a wedding of partaking of these other idols, these other gods. It, many times when you see this eating food, it's this picture of, sure, there's the literal aspect of these foods were being offered to gods and the leftovers are there and they're eating the leftovers. Sure, there's the literal component to it, but there's also there's a, a another reality to that. And and food is this idea of fellowship, participation, it's intimacy, it's nu- it's sustenance, nutrition. So there's there's a, this whole other this whole other realm buried, embedded within that type of reality. It's this picture of fellowship. And so so Jesus is actually telling them. This this woman, this manipulative, controlling, influencing, she is teaching and beguiling the servants, his servants, to practice fornication. Now, I believe that I believe that this is significant. Remember in the second scenario. There was no fertilization that occurred when you bred a male goat with a female sheep. So a male outside of the kingdom to a female inside of the kingdom. There was no fertilization. That means there was, there is and was no opportunity to produce the, the, the life necessary from that interaction. So, I believe that 
it is it's very it's very specific to what influences can be at play in the different gender and kingdom realities so a a male who is in the kingdom of god can be greatly drawn away he is very susceptible to be drawn away by a female who is outside of the kingdom of god there is a strong force a strong power at play in that reality in that specific reality he is like solomon and like we see here in the, the to the church of thyatira more globally there is a significance there for men are easily pulled away when influenced by a female who is outside of the kingdom of God. We see that, and perhaps this is a poor, uh, poor example, but Adam and Eve. Eve influenced Adam, gave him, Adam had the directive from God, do not eat of this tree. And, but we do know also that Adam was present when Eve was being seduced by the, by the serpent and because it says that she gave Adam the fruit to eat as well who was with her. So he was there. He was, he was beguiled by his desire to, to please her and he was influenced. So there's this, there's this un, unspoken, unrealized sway of a female outside of the kingdom of God and the impact that she can have over a male in the kingdom of God. Now, the other aspect of that is a male who is outside of God's kingdom crossed to a female that is inside the kingdom of God. There is an inability to fertilize in that, in that paradigm. And I don't necessarily mean in the, in the, in the literal sense, although it could be, but I mean more so the, the product of that intimacy produces no life. I believe that's one of the significant issues that God has with homosexuality is it's a futile relationship to produce something in which God intended. Now, obviously, there, there's adoptions and adoptions need to be done and that's great and God loves that. But what I'm saying is that's one of the biggest Perhaps the biggest issue is that God created, it goes against his intended creation, his function to produce by way of intimacy the offspring, the, the product of life, a male, a male outside of the kingdom of God cannot produce in a female inside the kingdom of God the intended, the intended life in which God intended to be birthed. Okay. The last thing that I want to point out is Thyatira stuck out to me. Now, if you look up modern day Thyatira, what is that? It's Turkey. It's a modern Turkish city. In, on my, in my reading, it was called um, Akhisar. And 
we actually know in, in Acts 16, I think around 13 or so, Lydia, whom Paul influences and brings into the kingdom, and she becomes she gets saved and she does mighty work for the Lord. Lydia is actually from Thyatira. And so in the book of Acts, and and we see how Paul influenced Thyatira down the road around the third century, a man by the name of uh, Epiphanius is writes that almost all of Thyatira was Christianized. So by by early third century, we have this significant shift in a region in a city. Now remember what was God's advice? What was God's warning or direction to Thyatira to this church to this prime? church, influence, place of position to the city, you you have to get rid of this intimacy that you have with this Jezebel, with this one who who calls to you like the siren's call of the sea, who is wooing you to herself to get you to participate in immorality of sexual nature and also that of a spiritual nature. So, um, Epiphanius, by the third century, writes almost all of Thyatira had been Christianized. Now, a little bit, a little bit further past him, this bishop. He actually was from Thyatira. He attended the Nicaean, um, the Nicaean Council in about three twenty five. Now, not a whole lot exists as far as some of the documentation just early in my research but the middle eight around in the middle ages this the Thyatira they changed their name to this Akhisar and it and it means uh, white fortress so you have this this thing breaking out in Acts where Paul influences Thyatira by the by the the hand of the Lord. And by about the third century, nearly, you know, and then what Revelation perhaps is written around 90 AD or so. And Jesus is telling them, look, you need to get, you need to deal with this issue. So from the time of Paul to the time of John writing in Revelation, there's already a big issue here that Jesus is saying, you got to fix this. And, and then from the time of John even into the third century, by some of the writings, we see that this was a significantly Christianized place. So inside of that reality, it went from a very Christianized place to somewhere in the Middle Ages, they changed their name, they re-identified themselves. They wanted to separate themselves from who they were, and they, and they were re-identified. I think that this speaks to the power and influence that this type of influence in a region can have over a group of people. And if we're not careful, just like Jesus Jesus was warning them, he was warning to not hold to these teachings. So, it's significant because there's it's such a powerful influence in our lives. We can't we can't let we can't let those 
those influences of intimacy pull us or push us, we have to stay we have to stay firm and true to to our faithfulness to God. And so I just want to leave you with this. I know I know I unpacked a lot and it was, it was quite daunting even for me to just speak about it. And I hope that maybe this sends you on a journey of exploration. And, and, and though this is just the surface, I pray that God uses it and multiplies it into your heart to show you and to relay things to you. And that we would be, that we would be faithful, that we would be faithful as stewards of his kingdom, that we would take heed to his word and follow his commandments that we would learn from those like Solomon, um, like the church of Thyatira, that we would learn from those opportunities and those those failures of others and that we, we could walk faithfully and true and righteously in the sight of God. And so I challenge you to to take this, to to dig in a little deeper, to see what God would reveal to you and and then apply that in your life so that we can avoid some of these pitfalls that we see in our earlier Uh, brethren. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. God bless you. Thanks for joining me. I hope this blessed your heart and you leave with something special. Let us press in to know him more. Let us press in to know him more and he will find us in seeking and seek us in finding. God bless you.